Have you ever felt so exhausted and drained that you're left questioning if you're burning out? Hi, I'm Flick Taylor, and my passion for burnout and self-care came about when I became a mental health writer who'd lost her mental health to extreme burnout. I know, the irony is not lost on me. Join me as I host Everyday Burnout Conversations, the honest podcast that shares the stories of others, more walks of life as they recover from, manage and avoid burnout by prioritising their mental health and well-being. Expect to hear fascinating conversations, plus positive and actionable tips and tricks that can help you make the simple life changes your mental health will thank you for. Episodes will be delightfully wrapped up in some epic truths and great humour. So, enjoy! Today, I share an everyday burnout conversation with Debbie Edwards. Debbie is an entrepreneur. She's a speaker, an investor and a coach. And she founded the tech platform F Disruptors with a mission to inspire girls and women to embrace tech's vibrant world by promoting the latest career opportunities, sharing inspirational stories and providing support. With over the 30 years of experience working in challenging sectors, including the military, Debbie now focuses on the concept of deep self-love in her transformational and leadership coaching. With an appreciation for women having strong passions, desires and ambitions, Debbie recognised that many women have been raised within a narrative turned them to put others before themselves, impacting their lives and their opportunities. Following her own burnout experience when she didn't prioritise her needs and self, she now encourages women to take agency in their own lives and set the boundaries to support what they really want to achieve. Honouring her gift for energy healing, Debbie works intuitively with women, gently guiding and supporting them as they work through powerful transitions in their life. She helps her clients reframe their lives, enabling them to change the lens through which they see themselves and has particular expertise in perimenopause and menopause. In this brilliant episode, Debbie talks about her own experiences of working to the point of exhaustion that caused her, in her words, to break down, to break through. She shares how grief was the gateway to self-compassion and falling in love with herself, why she thinks burnout needs a rebrand. And she asks us a profound question that I appreciate can truly help us look at self-care through an alternative and effective lens. So without further ado, let's dive in to enjoy an everyday burnout conversation with Debbie Edwards. So, Deb, I can't believe how lucky I am to be able to chat to you today. Um, It's just incredible to have you here because I first became aware of your amazing work via the Womenhood and Jess Rad, and I did um, your incredible session on boundary setting. And it was so good for anyone listening because they can still access the um, catch up and replay via Jess. And I would urge you to do it because honestly, Deb, I sat and did it. I had no expectations other than perfect. I could really do certain boundaries in my life. Yeah. And it took me a couple of days to just soak it in and take on board what you said, because it was so life-changing. It was amazing. (laughs) So I just can't wait for other people to be able to hear of your work and and who you are and so to start us off I would love you to share who you are and what you do and why you do it. 
Oh, right. So I know this is the this is the hard bit, isn't it, to tr- <laughs> define yourself? But I I define myself as a transformation coach, and I work with um, predominantly women at the moment, female leaders and founders who basically want to show up in their world differently. So who are ready to become leaders in their own lives, first and foremost. And usually they need to learn how to do that because they've been showing up for everybody else, including their businesses, their jobs, their families. And they normally reach me when they've hit a point where prioritizing themselves is an absolute must have not a nice to have anymore so I do some amazing work and I also um, I work as a consultant coach to a brand new supplement provider in the menopause space called Empowder so I get to work with them on on their clinical trials and support the women that are going through the clinical trials which has been beyond gorgeous fascinating and lots and lots to learn from that stage in life um, and, and supporting women to make changes because it's never too late. That's all I'll say. It's never too late. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. And so, Deb, I'm curious, would you say um, you've had bushes with burnout in the past? Oh, my God. Um <laughs> I don't know if there's been a period apart from where I am right now that I haven't had uh, a period of burnout. I um, most likely started with that in my 20s when I first went into work. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into the details of all of that. But for me, I um, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Brené Brown, actually, and I'd highly recommend it. She's done a series recently with her sisters, which is highly amusing because as sisters, they don't let them each other get away with anything. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> they, and they chuckle a lot about it. But some of her, two of her sisters were describing her capacity to take on more and more and more and more. And they just said you have a really high threshold for just pushing through to a point of burnout. And the minute they described that, I realized that I recognized myself in that pattern. That ability to keep pushing for me was relentless. There was was moments where I'd go, oh, this doesn't feel good. You don't feel great. What's going on? I tell you what we need to do. My mind would say, let's do more. Oh my gosh, yes. Let's do more because you must not be doing it well. You must not be good enough. Everybody else is doing it better than you. So therefore what it's really going to take is more effort. So where, instead of where where I would be right now, which would be where can I take away, my go-to was where can I add more and create more opportunities to do more as well. And that was always my go-to voice in my head that you're just not enough, you mustn't be doing it right, do more. The self-blame piece is huge, isn't Mm. it? Because I certainly experienced that and some women who message me, um, that's a huge component of the burnout. You know, as you say, it's not kind of going, oh, I'm burning out now, I'm feeling a little frazzled, I'm going to take a step back. It's like, what am I doing wrong? Everyone else is doing it. 
I can't, I must be weak. I must be, and I have to like take it up a notch. Yeah. Which it's, it's so sad, isn't it? Well, it's debilitating on so many different levels, isn't it? Because first of all, what you're doing is just cementing that programming time and time again, that it's not time to take a rest, but it's time to completely override all of that wonderful, beautiful body wisdom that women have and hold dear. You know, it's ancestral really for all of us that we have this, this wisdom inside of us, but we live outside of our bodies for so long, fulfilling the expectations of so many other people in our lives or so many expectations for society in our lives, that that connection, that listening piece, listening to our bodies just isn't there. And for me, that did start in my 20s. So, you know, I came out of a very turbulent time in university where Margaret Thatcher was just sort of on her way out But during that time, she created this perception that women can have it all, as they say, you know, you can have it all. And not only that, you must do it all as well. So, you know, having grown up in the 70s and seen female empowerment and feminism and activism, which was all great. That piece in the 80s about women then being able to have their families and have, you know, manage a hedge fund. 40 hours a day you know that message was coming through really really strongly and for me in my 20s that's what it was all about it was that was the decade when I learned to override any need I might have had in pursuit of this highly desirable fast-paced corporate career that looked to the outside world like it was perfect you know yes and it was far from it far from it yeah, my goodness. So what, um, what, at what point did you kind of have a moment where you were like, I have to change the way I am showing up in my life at the moment? Oh, well, that didn't happen until four years ago. So, you know, yeah, up until, so what was I then? 47, just coming up to 48. So my entire sort of 28 year career up to that point and becoming a mum at the same time had been all about the old patterns, the old patterns of overriding and taking myself to the tip of burnout and then overriding that. Um, You know, during those years, my body would be telling me things, but I would completely ignore it. So I was that person that went on holiday and got the flu the first week of every every single holiday or slept for five days straight with, without thinking that that wasn't normal and just thinking, oh, this feels a bit strange, but yay, it's holiday, you know, it just must be what my body needs. And never thinking, is that an indicator that something's not right? You know, is that is that an indicator that maybe you need more rest? I never even associated that with my needs. I just thought, it was something I, I, this body was going through, you know, and I could talk myself very well out of needing to address anything to do with that. But that took me up to 47 and, and things had changed probably in that decade before because I'd gone through an early menopause. So I'd gone through at 39, um, a surgical menopause that put me straight into an early menopause. And that had been quite 
challenging to navigate because I, I still had two young children. So I was a, a young mum. I was still working, running my own business. And I was trying to suddenly navigate this landscape that nobody seemed to talk about and that I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And it would have been this very, very slow bubbling realization that my needs had changed and my body required totally different things from me but I was still a little bit overriding it and then four years ago I just launched a brand new tech startup you know so the next giant project Mm -hmm. Um, and sadly my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer um, two days after I'd launched and Eight weeks later, after caring for him, um, he passed away, sadly. And then three months after that, my mum was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma. So I then had a year of grief and care all moulded into one period. And I did what I normally would do, which is, okay, get yourself up override your needs you've got someone who needs to to be cared for very very deeply and then you also have children and I tell you what let's just package up that grief because I sort of knew cognitively it would come for me but I I just thought I haven't got time for that right now so for a year tried to override it and then a year later about a year to the day that my dad passed away we got the news that my mom's chemo hadn't worked and it just floored me, absolutely floored me because I think I kept myself going for so long that knowing that something hadn't worked, I just completely lost the plot. And then my body decided, okay, now it's time. So I, woke, I was upstairs. I woke up one morning and I couldn't move. Really? Yeah. I physically couldn't move. And I remember there thinking, lying there thinking, I know that I can move, but there's something about me is not allowing me to move. So this connection between my brain and my body suddenly cemented. And I thought, I don't know what to do. You know, for the first time in my life, I had no idea what to do. So I luckily managed to get myself out of bed, crawl downstairs, And I just got this voice that said to me, you're going to have to feel this pain. So I sat on the the couch and I just thought for the first time in my life, I'm going to feel what I need to feel. And I sat for three hours and cried and did not move. And then at the end of it, I stopped. And then this voice said, okay, you survived that. Now let's get to work. And that was the beginning of my unraveling, breaking down, breaking through, and truly getting to the point where I am today. You know, it's only now that I look back on that and I think grief was my gateway to finding a place where I completely fell in love with myself. Completely fell in love with myself. And that was the process. And it's funny because I always described grief as the gateway. And it's only in the last few weeks that I've started to write about it. And I realized that grief wasn't the gateway. Love was the gateway. You know, love was the gateway. I wouldn't have felt such 
debilitating grief if I hadn't loved my dad so, so much. And I wouldn't have fallen in love with myself so deeply if I hadn't gone through and felt every single point of that pain. You know, to love that deeply is where the pain originates from, you know. So that was it. That was the that was the starting point of of what you know we would describe it as burnout. But for me, even that concept needs a bit of a rebrand because yeah. burnout it makes me feel like you get extinguished. Yeah, it's I, I just get this image of this flame that just goes out and and you're left with nothing. And actually, that's wrong. What you are left with, though, is like rubies in the rubble. So it's this shell of who you formerly were. And then you've got this possibility that sits within that rubble of what you want to build next. Yeah. Oh, Deb, rubies in the rubble. Oh, my goodness, that's so beautiful. It's so true because you do literally, you know, kind of feel like you're in the dark like everything kind of goes out but you're so right that's just the the starting point the rest of burnout and recovery and it's it's unpacking those habits and those ingrained patterns and it's it's so interesting that you know through your 20s and 30s and 40s like these habits I when you said Margaret Thatcher I can remember my mum telling me um you know, saying, Margaret Thatcher, she only sleeps three hours a day, it's been recorded. Yeah. And I can remember thinking, and I would have been young, like teens, thinking, oh, that's the key. Yeah. All done. And, yeah. you know, like, that's insane when we think about yeah. where we are now and yeah. the work that I'm doing now. To think, yeah. oh, my gosh, you know, yeah. to away to nothing so you can achieve more and do more for others. Yeah. It's uh, a real sign, isn't it? It is. And, you know, the, the first decision I think you, you make in that, in that place of darkness is for the first time in your life, this small voice just says, I choose me. Yes. I choose me. Because after burnout, it, it can feel such a scary time because you think, because of what I've heard about the stories around what burnout means, I don't know what, what comes next. Mm. I don't know if I'm going to be the same person, if I'm going to have the same people around me, if I'm going to be able to work, if I'm going to be able to function like I did because we're desperate to go back. You know, you can see it even now. We're yeah. so attached to the version of normal. Yes. Um, the, the, that's what we want. We want to go back. But, you know, that ancestral storytelling about Margaret Thatcher only sleeping four nights a week so she could run the country. If that was, if I was reading that story now, I'd be going, somebody, somebody help her, (laughs) you know, because, because it can't be done. But in my clinic where I have my clients, I still see women making those choices. Oh, I thought it'd be really good if I got up at two o'clock so I can buy myself more time. Yeah. I've so done that. Yeah. So yeah. done that. And it sounds so rational because our rational brain goes, Yeah, yeah, try that. Because you know, I told you yesterday you weren't good enough or you weren't enough. That's a good decision, you know. Yeah. And then we have no idea of 
some of the what I call the factual stuff that goes on physiologically, how that impacts how you then move throughout your world in the next few days when you've restricted your sleep. You think it's you, but it's not. It's just your body saying, oh, dear God, we've got to go on high alert here. So we should go into freeze mode because she's desperately trying to do more. So we must need to conserve our energies and go into freeze mode. So there are so many factual things that, that we're not even taught in schools, which we should be, about if I make that choice about my own self-care, then the results might be this. Yeah. And it's factual. And it's factual. It's not, it's not what I call, I call it, we go into two different camps and I say, okay, clients, we'll go into factual camp first so I can teach you why making some of these decisions around your health will be having an impact. And then we'll look at the feelings bit. So there's fact versus feelings because the feelings that some of these choices um, sort of elicit is, is all of the things that you've talked about is I must not be good enough. I must need to do more. I must need to please people more. Or for some of my clients, they'll tell me that they're getting up earlier because that's their me time. Yes. That's my me, that's my me time. <laughs> yes. You know, because in the rest of their day, there's nothing for them. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. So if I get up at three when everyone else is sleeping, then that feels like a treat. Yeah. I did that for years. Yeah. Years. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it, felt, it felt quite good. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it does feel good. Yeah. And you you think, or oh, I'm self-care, I'm doing it. Yeah. Without realizing that, yeah, you're getting up at three, but you're also going to bed at 10. Because, you know, once you do the bath time with the kids and you tidy up and you yeah. there isn't that um it never once struck me to go, okay, what 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 am I doing in a day? Okay, what can I delegate? What come here? Yeah. You know, here, pass this to my husband because we're in this together. You, you're not my assistant. So it's yeah. it's so interesting you say this, Debs, because I that's so me. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, like I say, we don't also question that. Where did that conditioning from come from? Where did that story come from? You know, who role modeled that for me? Because I don't necessarily see that that my mother was doing that. She was extremely busy throughout the day. She never sat down. And that was something she always used to describe herself as. And it's never sit down. My I never sit down. I'm always on the go. That's just what being a mother looks like. So that conditioning was very strong. But this bit about self-care suddenly came in. And that can be a pressure too. And I think that's where women go, oh, well, I'll get up at three and then that's me time. It sort of feels like self-care, you know? Yes. And self-care goes on the to-do list. Yeah. As opposed to it starting. You know, it's funny because years ago when I was doing my play therapy training, I remember... um, a really amazing psychotherapist, he said, you know, to do the work he does, he has to start the day off for himself. And so he would do yoga and work. But he, you know, that was the foundational piece as opposed to uh, a should, I could, 
a, a self-care it was no this yeah. is the foundation for everything else to build on whereas yeah. I think I took it and maybe other women are taking it as um you know I'll I'll get this done first and then I have to contend with my day and it's just we need the foundation piece don't we yeah and and I think I spoke about it on um in that session with Jess that is that this is what I describe as as having agency in your life is that your day just starts to feel as as though it's you moving through it with yourself as a priority and making small choices and tiny adjustments based on connecting to your body and knowing what she needs at any given point throughout the day. Yeah. You know? And I, I start women off in a very, very simple way, but it's extremely powerful. Um, is that I just say, well, take a day and move throughout your day. And the only thought that you're allowed to use to direct you is this question, which is, how can I love myself even more deeply right now? Oof, that's so powerful. Yeah. So and powerful. on two levels. So first of all, and I said this, I had a really interesting conversation with my husband because I don't think men would ever think of moving throughout their day like that. And we were having a chat about his job not long ago and, and stress and management of that. And I, I was trying to give him some hints and tips. And I said, well, here's one thing that I use. And I told him and he just went, oh, and he just sat there and he went, oh, he said, well, first of all, you've just tricked my mind into thinking that I love myself to start with. <laughs> and that, that, is shocking to some people. It wasn't, let's forget about the even more deeply bit. I'm telling my body throughout the day that on some level, I already love her by yeah. saying, how can I love you even more deeply? On some level, I must already have love. You know, and he said, oh, that's a bit sneaky. And I said, it is because let's go back into physiology again. That's my way of firing up new neural pathways for my clients because when you spend the day doing that that question says oh so you love me a little bit already that's great okay what could we do more oh that's interesting well I'd maybe like to try that and they do it with a sense of curiosity rather than does this fit into a self-care box you know there's none of that it's like how could you just move throughout your day and the thing that I notice is that that when women come back to me the following session after that, the connection they've had with their bodies, the connection they've had with a, a much more gentler voice that they didn't know they could access, it's unbelievably powerful, you know, and it's so lovely to see because, you know, it's, it's not easy in my line of work, and especially with the big corporate background I've had, right. to bring love into the equation, into the corporate world, or to founders, or just 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 in general, because it's never mentioned. No, no, and I think, um, and I think the pandemic will hopefully change this. But mm -hmm. certainly, what I observed um, is the soft skill set it's just it's not valued and if it is it's um it's a nice to have it's a selling point to draw people to work at a place as opposed to a foundational brick yeah yeah it's yeah. really interesting isn't it it is and and 
you know, in my opinion, yeah. that has to be where we're headed. It has to, because as humans, we're crying out to be able to go between our work and our lives at home as the same person. Yeah. You know, the reason most of us have burnout is because we're trying so hard to be a version of ourselves in work. Mm -hmm. And then we go home and take off that armor and try and be this softer person at home. And in the middle of that is this massive amount of friction, because that's not has how we're meant to behave as humans. You know, animals don't behave like that. You know, your dog doesn't have a, a home dog and an outside dog version. Yeah. You know? They're just like happy to see anyone that they encounter. They, they sleep when they need to. They're just really grateful for food and love and touch and all of that. But there's no different versions of, oh, I'm in front of this person right now. What do they need me to be? You know, so there's there's a hell of a lot of friction, um, especially, I think, you know, for women. But I see it a lot more with men these days is that they're realizing that this persona that maybe has been created around what a good dad looks like, what a good husband looks like, what a good corporate man looks like. You know, it's it's a very Disney version of of humanity and it's just not real. And I think. You're right, the pandemic has, on a personal level, allowed such a gap between work and home now to exist in that people are working from their homes. And so their lives have meshed so much more closely and they've suddenly gone, I like how this feels because I like who I am yeah. in the midst of this change, you know, yeah. and it's allowed them a bit more silence, a lot less busyness. There's no more big commutes maybe for some people. So I'm hoping that on a personal level, people will start to choose themselves. On a corporate level, I think you're right. I think that we've still got a way to go. You know, I wrote an article on it recently and I said, you know, post-pandemic, is it time to talk about love in leadership? Because I think it is. Yes. You know, how can you have... Leaders running the country, leaders running teams, organizations who don't love themselves. Yeah. How yeah. does that, how, I mean, we, we both know when you haven't got that deep connection to yourself, that deep love for yourself, you're certainly not able to connect with others in the same way. Yeah. And so, like you say, this need for the softer skills, how do we suddenly ask people, ask people to access? kindness compassion love yeah. acceptance when previously we've associated those words with weakness and not enough you know we we've got to allow time for this to shift i think because it's not a tick box exercise it's not a diversity and inclusion piece it's mm -hmm. a bit about how do you get every single person in your organization to say I choose me and then I work with me and then the best version of me gets to help you be the best version of you. And the gateway for all of that is going to be love. Yes. Imagine that. Imagine workplaces where that existed. Oh, yeah. It would be incredible. It really would. 
It really would. And the ripple effect is huge, isn't it, Deb? Yeah. I mean, I think for those who are parents, I always say, well, little eyes are watching us. Like, you know, we're the models, but also in the workplace, you know, we have to, when we're role models to other people, the ripple effect is huge. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody's behavior is giving permission silently to another person to mirror that behavior. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. Good and bad. Because we've all seen the mirroring that can happen when you have toxic cultures. So imagine, imagine if we flipped that and we had cultures based on love as a gateway for every decision, every interaction, all of your leadership training. Mm. Imagine yeah. what we would build differently if that existed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because even having taken time off um, paid work uh, like this past year, I've noticed a difference in my productivity. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you're, <clears throat> when you're freelance and you're, you know, you're working all hours and I just, I became a machine yeah. and um, taking the foot off the pedal, like the productivity is so much different. And when you connect with yourself, my yeah. gosh, your work shows that it shines yeah. through and yeah. I think that would be a huge thing for leaders to uh to recognize yeah. yeah 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 absolutely because you know I was exactly the same and I mean robotic you know yeah. robotic comes to mind for many of those years where I was just functioning through it and saying the right things and turning up looking the part and presenting myself in the most acceptable way, whilst then going home and crying every time I walked in the door, you know, because the pressures of keeping that up were just too great for any human being to take, really. And I think we still have a long way to go because I still see so much of that going on. You know, even in the pandemic, I I was thinking before we came on, you know, as much as personally, despite you know, the the sad losses that we've had personally for me, it it created a moment of silence that I needed and to reconfigure even, you know, as recently as 18 months ago that I didn't want to run a tech startup anymore. I was so tired. I'd run it on fumes and grief and God knows what. And, you know, even on this journey myself, I, I just lost myself a little bit in the middle of that. So, I have benefited from this time to step back. But I remember very early on um, in the pandemic and I spoke to a friend and I said, you know, it's about six weeks in. I said, how are you doing? Because she was still trying to manage her big corporate job um, whilst working from home. I said, oh, how are you doing? And she said, oh, I feel dreadful. And I said, I'm not surprised. I said, doing all the juggling. And she said, I know. She said, I'm just not doing it as good as everybody else either. And I was like, how can you do a pandemic well? You know, I said, what do you mean that you're not doing it well? She said, I'm not baking bread. I haven't cleaned out all of my kitchen cupboards yet. And she rattled off this new list of things to do that we had created a narrative around. Even in a pandemic, we were putting pressure on ourselves to do more, to do things, you know, that that showed us we were doing the pandemic well, as well as, 
you know, and I said, you're not, nobody, there's no rule book that says you should have done your cupboards and you're six weeks in, or you, should, or you should know how to bake sourdough now, or you should know, you know, how to properly combine your homeschooling and your life and you go out. The pressure, we, we tend to create it, even in new, very pressured situations that this is what doing the pandemic well looks like. So please tick box through all of them to make yourself feel better without ever considering that you're going through a pandemic that you've never experienced before as a human being. Yes. Because those ingrained patterns, isn't it? I mean, I can remember um, the first lockdown, I was working 14 hours a day and I can absolutely, that really resonates when you said it was almost like, I was like, oh, now I've got to add the enlightenment piece to my day pandemic. So I've worked all these 14 hours and now I've got to have that enlightenment. And I can remember Jimmy Carr saying that the pandemic for him was like um, the half time of a football match and he was going yeah. into the locker room and it was what's worked, what hasn't worked. And I yeah. thought it was really good, but you're so right. Those ingrained patterns in us leave us looking around going, Oh, but they're doing it better than me. And, yeah. and actually everyone's looking around going, well, they're doing it better as opposed yeah. to going, Oof, I'm just going to take a moment and <laughs> yeah. do what's right for me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't oh. believe it. I was like, Oh dear God. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I said to her, nobody ever needs clean cupboards. No. That's, you know, and I'm sure there's people that will be listening to this going, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep at night. But do you know what I mean? It's like these are all man-made stories about how our lives need to look so that everybody gets to breathe a sigh of relief and say, oh, she's doing it well, thank God, I can, I can relax now. You know, it's just, even the pandemic. So, you know, I think... I think burnout needs a bit of a rebrand because I like, love that. Like, I love yeah, that. It, I do. I just think it can seem so final and so scary. And you know, if there's one thing I've I've learned through all of this is that even when you go through some of the deepest pain, there is still hope. There is still hope. You know, but you can't do it alone. I've had help from a couple of great coaches and a wonderful therapist very early on um, into what I would describe as my burnout to breakthrough. Um, And she was the person that gave me permission for it all to be different, you know, and you need that person. If you can't access that understanding yourself and that forgiveness for yourself and that ability to stop, I do urge people to reach out and and get someone to walk beside them on the journey because it's it's too difficult to do on your own we're not we're not meant to we're not meant to retreat onto an island after we've had a burnout and go well I'll just wait it out and then you know I'll see if I want to venture out again it's really scary and isolating if you do it like that and really lonely um yeah and you're in that state of um you're frozen yeah. You know, as you say, it's that physical reaction and it's very difficult. You you do need someone to walk with you. And yeah. I think, you know, I said to one of my coaches when we were talking and I said, it's like she was just walking the path with me and just going, yeah. look over there, 
yeah over there you know you just need someone you don't need them to tell you this is what you're yeah. you just need someone to say look over there and then you unpack it and unravel it and discover it and and you're right about the permission piece mm. because I've had you know when I've talked to a very good friend the number of times she said flick what you you thought what yeah. to her, it was why are you even taking this on? That was that issue. That's nothing. That's not reflection on you. But when you're in it, yeah. you feel so alone and there's a fear. Yeah. Isn't there? Yeah. 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 And there's, there's that fear that people are going to go, oh, I knew she couldn't hack it. You know, it was all too much for her. Um, she really took too much on. It was never going to work. Maybe she's just not that person that can do all of this. You yeah. know, there was there were so many fears around that for me um, that somehow it was the ultimate failure that other people then got to say, "See, we were right. It was too much. It was you're just not that kind of person. You're not going to be that kind of successful person." So. It's time. So you need to now step away and just do nothing. And that was, you know, that was the other big message that came through was if you've had a burnout, go away and do nothing. Or somebody said to me, why don't you just stack shelves in Asda for a little while? And I said, do you think there's not stresses with that kind of job? You know, don't don't try and take a job that you value as as not valuable and tell me that that's not stressful you know yeah. of course it is so you know the bigger conversation um, and I'm very aware of this because I've got two young daughters as well who are teenagers is very early on we need to be having better conversations about connecting young people to their bodies in a way that their body is their internal barometer, constantly, yeah. constantly check in, what do you need? And, and I use five different pillars of wellness and that's because that's what keeps me on the straight and narrow really, which is around mindset, rest. I use rest instead of just focusing on sleep because I think we have a 24 hour window where we can rest it's not just about what's your quality of sleep like it's what do you do throughout your day so for example I'm in my office but in between calls I'll take 10 to 15 minutes and just get on my mat which is next to me and just take a moment so that's rest you know and that's not oh I'll wait for six weeks when I can have a holiday that's I'll do it now because I feel like I need that you know, I look at nourishment. So it's not just about food and nutrition. It should be about what do you bring into your being mm. that fills you up? Yeah. You know, so nourishment, what gives you joy? It can be food, but, you know, what are you doing on social media and, and who are you hanging around with, you know, and all of that. So there's different ways in which we can start to really, really simply just modify our lives slightly so that we move ourselves away from burnout and put ourselves back on that to-do list, which we were laughing about when we started that, yeah. you know, I was never even on my to-do list. So, you yeah. know, things like, you know, hydrating, being dehydrated throughout your day has such a detrimental effect on your cognitive abilities and the way you feel about yourself and just generally physically how you feel by the end of the day. 
just really simple stuff that sets you up for knowing that you're putting yourself first. These are all all accessible to everybody. Yeah. You know? And it's and I, for, for me, if we don't start talking about that at school level, then we're constantly then trying to fix adults who get to burnout. And the reason why is because they've never been told that they matter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's really interesting, Debs, when you did um, with the womenhood um, session, the boundary setting session you did, um, you did an incredible, I have never experienced anything like it. I'm, I try to meditate. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. You did the most amazing guided meditation and it it basically leads you to a place of recognizing self-loving reconnecting and so for anyone listening I really urge you if you can like you know go and access this session and watch it and just soak up every ounce of wisdom that Deb delivers it's amazing um I'm just thinking for anyone listening to this Mm. because self-love it really is quite alien to quite few people and even actually as mum of two boys my youngest boy I definitely see that all his personality like I need to try and remind him Mm. to to care and love himself and to you know to um make allowances I'm like oh gosh I think he's a little bit too like me it's interesting (laughs) isn't it yeah okay I've got my eye on you now (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah so for anyone listening where what are the baby steps to starting to embrace some self-love like where do you start do you know start with that question that anchor question is such an interesting one to ask because you know on so many different levels firstly you've brought the word love into thinking about your own care Mm. just just decide to be I call it being the gentle observer so do it without judgment do it without um thinking too deeply but make a decision so the first decision in that is I choose me today And then get up and every single thing that you do and the way you move throughout your ordinary day, you ask yourself that question, how can I love myself even more deeply right now? (sighs) And just just let yourself be free to that concept. You know, there's something, it's so deep on so many levels, but just being, just saying to yourself, I'm open to the concept of my day moving because I love myself. That's so empowering it's so revealing for so many people if you want to journal on it of course do that as well so journaling and sometimes documenting but for most people what it does it's like it brings you home to yourself Mm. you spend the day with yourself and you make these decisions but also it's making you realize well I previously wouldn't have even asked myself that question or listened and now I made that choice. So for some of my clients, it's as simple as one of them said, I came in from work, it was eight o'clock at night. Normally I would just grab something to eat and then just throw myself into bed and hope for the best. And she said, but I walked in the door and I stopped myself dead. And she said, I asked myself that question, how could you love yourself even more deeply right now? And she said, I walked straight into the bathroom And I ran myself the deepest, warmest of baths. I put oils in. 
I allowed myself to go in. I came out and I ate the most nourishing dinner that I could find. Mm. She said, I had the most deep sleep and restorative sleep that I've had in months. And she said, it was just because I made different choices because of that question. And then to connect it to being because I really love myself. She said it it moved her to tears, you know, because it wasn't, oh, maybe I should run the bath and shove the lavender in because that's what self-care looks like. She said to her body, what do you need? Yeah. What do you need right now? And her body said, oh, I'm cold. I'm tired. Could you run me a bath? Yeah. That would show me that you love me, you know. So it's when you hear moments like that, you realize that, you know, even this coaching lock, it's not complicated. It's just sharing what works for me and some of the biggest things that work for me Um, and imparting that knowledge and and just say to people, be curious because you can't be judgmental and curious at the same time. It just doesn't work. You can't. You can't hold those two energies. You just can't. I love that. I love that. You're so right. It's true. Yeah. And yeah. and I think, you know, we're really having to um, override some of those deep patterns. Like even if you have to write that on a post-it note, stick it by your front door, your desk, in your bathroom, wherever, yeah. because we might need to reprogram. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wherever you need it, you know, even if you set a timer on your phone and it pops up a text that says to you, don't forget to ask yourself and go with the question. Um, but, you know, you're right. It's, it's not something that feels natural. And, and, and that's why I ended up doing that webinar with uh, the workshop with Jess, because originally we just had um, a really simple conversation. We'd been introduced and she said, come on and do an Instagram live. Would you mind talking about boundaries? Because she'd heard me speak about boundaries. And then she asked me this question live. And she said, uh, you know, so so why? Why boundaries? And, and why does that, you know, why does that work for you? And I just said, because I've fallen really deeply in love with myself. Oh. And she just went. <laughs> she said, can I, can I, I'm going to have to stop. She said, I've never heard a woman a, a, a grown woman say how much she loves herself in my entire life. Yeah. And that just tells you, doesn't it, of where we need to get to and, and that gap that we've got right now, that she was stunned for five minutes. Yeah. Because she said, I've also never associated bringing boundaries into my life from a point of love for myself. You know, it's always been like, you've probably seen some of my posts about, you know, boundaries don't have to be about barbed wire and putting up barriers. It can just be about you saying to yourself, this is how I'm going to move throughout my world. My barriers will just suddenly become obvious and I will own them in a way that that doesn't feel combative and, you know, destructive and full of, you know, potential sort of arguments and upsets and conflict, you know. So it's, it's a different way. It gives you that agency, that, that one question. That's what would be where I would start. And just be really kind to yourself in the process. You know, you have to be, because like you say, there's so many 
of your patterns that will suddenly become very obvious to you. And then what can happen is we start to then go, aren't you awful for being so awful about yourself? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my friend would regularly just say, hang on a minute, can I just stop you right there? Are you now criticizing yourself for criticizing yourself? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yes. Right. Oh, why? You know, why am I such a bad person? I can't even be nice to me. <laughs> it's so true. Mm. I love. I love your gentle approach, Deb, because I think um, you know when you're really when you're in the thick of it and you're you're really kind of overwhelmed, exhausted, burnt out. You know, it's it's kind of scary to think of having the energy to put boundaries in place. You know that's what you need to do, yeah. but it's actually quite a big jump to make. Whereas I love how you say, just move throughout your day and ask yeah. yourself that question because it takes away the idea of a boundary is confrontational. Yeah. It's, it's just do, setting yourself up right with those foundation bricks, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like I said in the session, nobody even needs to know that you have allowed your heart to beat just a few more seconds before you maybe answer to a question for something that's been asked of you that you no longer want to give anymore. You know, nobody needs to know that you are suddenly embodying the choices that you want to make for yourself. Nobody. Yeah. And that there's something really beautiful and calming about that because you suddenly realize that all of these conversations that you think you need to have that you've been playing out in your head that don't end well you don't even need to have them yeah you don't even need to have them you know you just get to show up ask yourself that question be directed by love for yourself and let the word no come out of your mouth if it wants to you know yes yeah it it doesn't have to be the, the way that the stories tell us it has to be. That's somebody else's story. Um, and, and the gentleness comes from years of me being this person, this slower, gentler, calmer person, but not being able to show that out in the world that I worked in. You know, so work. I worked in the military, I worked in the Middle East, um, in very male-dominated environments where, as a woman, if you were sitting around the table with men, they expected you to behave quite like them, you know, and there'd be a lot of chest beating and banging on the table and getting your point across by shouting. And I never did that, but that took its toll. That took its toll on me, you know, to to have that innate gentleness in me, but to have to bring this forcefulness in a way that sometimes didn't sit right that took its toll. So these last four years has been about this true me finally emerging. And, you know, like I say to a lot of the people I work with, we have this very strange fabricated opinion about how fast we need to move in this world. Mm. And actually we don't, we can still achieve all the things that we want to achieve And we can do it really slowly at a pace that supports our nervous system, supports our brain, supports our emotional health. 
So that's another thing that I do to sort of reprogram speed. We have a concept with speed and success in this in this world. So I ask them to move throughout their day. So when they've done the love bit, I, and we're still maybe wrestling with what I've got to get all of these things done. I ask them to move throughout their day ceremonially. So literally, even as you make a cup of tea, it's like a ceremony. Every single part gets broken down and you take time even putting the milk in and stirring the sugar. And by the end of your day, if you added up the amount of time it's taken you to still do all of the things that you would normally do, it would probably amount to an extra five or 10 minutes. <sighs> but the feeling you've had in that day is off the charts different. Yes. <clears throat> Previously, you'd have been making my tea, gulping it down. I've only got five minutes. Well, you can bend that time. You can make five minutes feel like this, or you can make five minutes feel like that. You know, you can't because it's another construct. So you get to choose. But again, it's building new neural pathways through ceremony. Everything is ceremonial. And again, it makes such a difference to people to realize that that speed, that rushing, that putting pressure on yourself, that doesn't need to be there because you're only buying yourself a few seconds here and there every time you do that. Oh, I'm going to try that today, Deb. I'm just thinking if I was to do even making a cup of tea with ceremony, I bet you I wouldn't be able to hear that internal negative narrative because it's pretty loud at the moment. You know how you go, it ebbs and flows. Yeah. And yeah. I just noticed this week I'm like, oof, it's loud. I can hear yeah. it. And and I'm going to try that. That's fantastic. Yeah, just try it. Again, it's so simple because you're just moving throughout your day. And that's when the best habits are formed by just shifting the behavior in the things that you would normally do rather than thinking I have to get new habits all the time. Just shift the way that you do your normal habits. Yeah. Oh, take the pressure off. I love that. Oh, Deb, you have such a, you're an absolute gift to the world. You really oh. are. And it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? I don't know about you, but anyone I speak to who has, like you, has had a, a you know, a rough time and they had a pivotal moment and they then chose to change their life and, you know, see things differently. I yeah. just find... Is it a blessing? Is it a gift to the world? I don't know, but oh my goodness, you are an absolute joy to talk to. But I also find myself very relaxed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I'm just, I will put in the show notes, um, like all your social media handles and where to find you. But is there anywhere in particular you'd like to tell people today where to find you? Because I'm sure there's going to be people listening go, or I need a little bit more Deb in my life. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, at the moment, just Instagram or LinkedIn for me. So I'm just Debbie on LinkedIn. Um, You'll be able to read some more longer form work on there on Instagram. Um, I will eventually get around to putting a website together. But for for the moment, I'm just really happy that people find me, connect with me, um, and hopefully feel a little bit supported by some of the work that I'm doing because I you know the one thing I would say 
to everybody is, you know, no matter where you find yourself listening to this today, if you can take away one thing is that there is always hope to be found within you, always, even when, you know, you have the darkest of times. And I'll just share a really, I had a really pivotal moment when um, I was going through my my sort of breakdown to breakthrough. Um, It was on that day, actually, when I'd heard the news that things weren't working with my mum. And I did my usual thing where I thought, okay, I don't want to upset the kids. I don't really want this to affect them. So I was starting to micromanage it all, as you do. And I thought, I'll go upstairs. I'll find, you know, a little spot. I'll go into my bedroom and I'll have a little cry there and then I'll get on with it. And my daughter, who was 13 at the time, came and found me. And, And this is such a gift on so many levels and I hope it lands for people that, she came over to me and she said, you know, what's the matter, mum? And I said, it's nothing. I'm just having a bit of a bad day. I'm tired. You know, that catch-all. I'm tired. And she said, no, no, no. Come on, tell me. She sat down on the side and took my hand. And in that moment, I had a choice. Am I honest? Or I just or do I just give her a big hug and say, we'll be fine? And in the end, I said, I thought, I need to be honest because they need that right now. So I told her what had happened and I said, I'm just really scared that I'm going to lose Nan in the same year as I've lost Grandad. And she just took a breath and she looked at me and said, she said, how about this, mummy? How about we just think about things a bit differently? And she said, how about we just think if the treatment works, then we get to keep her. If the treatment doesn't work, then Grandad gets to keep her. Oh, Deb. Oh, my God. You're going to move me to tears. Oh, that's so lovely. In that moment, so much changed for me because I just had this moment where I witnessed me as a parent trying to manage pain and tough stuff. And then I witnessed her stepping forward as a leader in my life. In a way that if I hadn't opened up, she wouldn't have been able to step in, you know. So I urge people to just be open to hope, even in the dark. You know, I always say that to my clients. There is so much light to be found in the dark and they can coexist at the same time. And you are still the most beautiful, complete human being that ever walked the earth. Mm. That's lovely. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful story that got me. <laughs> well, every time, but it changed me. It changed me. It changed the way I parent. It changed the way I think about pain and what you share and openness. And I think that we're at that point in humanity where we do have to think about that. We do have to, to give other people a chance to step forward for us. And we do have to rethink how we move through our worlds and and part of that is sometimes that the pain is still can be the driving force you know and I think it's really important that we normalize that for people so that they don't think that I'm just the only one who can't cope no pain pain can forge parts of who you're going to be next you know oh that's good Deb it's so true because it does crack you open doesn't it yeah yeah there's, you know, if we can dissolve some of that resistance, that is just habitual. And if we can just yeah. 
almost like surrender and just what what have we got here? Oh, what a beautiful story to end on. Oh, I know. Oh, goodness, that was lovely. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's all right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Deb, honestly, I could talk to you all day and I I feel very lucky the day I discovered your work and I'm just so thrilled you would come on today because I just more people need to know about you and your work and you know just watch you and and the, the incredible information and guidance you put out there because it can really help turn some of those internal keys for people yeah yeah and uh that that's all you wish for isn't it especially yeah. when you been through something you kind of just want to whisper and just be like guys yeah you know it's okay as you say there's yeah. hope there is hope yes. there is there yeah. is and it might not look and feel how hope gets described out there in the disney world yes but it still exists in whatever form it needs to for you yeah you know? oh Beautiful, beautiful. Now, Deb, I, I'm going to just try and dry some of these tears. Like, oh, my God. Again, I was not expecting that. It's like your guided meditation. Like, what? what happened there? Oh, amazing. Oh. <laughs> At the end of every interview, <laughs> I've been asking some light-hearted, quick-fire questions right. because right. Like, it's always interesting to see what people say. So. Yeah. How do you take your vitamin C? Do you have lemon in water or lemon in gin on your tough, dodgy days? Oh, lemon in water. Lemon yeah. in water. The gin had to go a long time ago, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, that's it. <laughs> and do you move your body or do you move the remote? Move my body. Yeah, yeah. get rid yeah. of water soul. Yeah, I'm yeah. learning that. Just yeah. embarking on a 10-year decade, a decade of health is yeah. my next thing. So, yeah. Ooh, yeah. a decade of health. Decade. I'm not. I'm not pissing around anymore. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, yeah. what's that? Decade of health, a so decade. that I start being so short term about some of my, you know, health goals and wellness. It's the next decade of health because I want to be doing my best work when I'm sixty. Oh, Deb. Oh, I've got goosebumps. Yeah, that's it. That's beautiful. Yeah, messing around anymore. (laughs) No, well, my body's telling me I can't mess around anymore. I'm really noticing it's hard, though. It's it's absolutely hard, and I'm finding that. But I'm just going with it again. I'm being open and curious, and every time I try something new to move my body, or I'm just going, okay, how are we feeling? You know, there's been lots of tears. lots of tears but you know and lots of wanting to throw up part way through but it's honestly giving myself that decade view I just feel free to just move in it and it's honestly try it yes that's amazing okay I've got goosebumps about that there's something in that (laughs) I needed to hear that today Oh my goodness. Oh, and I was going to say, do you ask for help or are you happy to hermit? Like, oh, bit of both. Bit of both. I need to hermit. That's an absolute one of my absolute needs. If I don't get time alone, if I don't get stillness and silence, I am good for nothing. So, a bit of both. I ask for help when I need it from the right people. Um, I don't tend to cause a lot of opinion. 
that doesn't work for me. But I do go and work with experts. So I give myself, you know, the great thing about experts is they just create the space that feels safe for you to voice some of your deepest fears that you you wouldn't want to tell your mum about or your daughters about or whatever. Um, But sometimes you just need that space. So, yeah, I do a bit of both, but absolutely the silence is needed. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. And what's the one thing you're going to do for yourself today that your future self is going to thank you for? I'm going to do a weighted circuit later on. Ooh. Yep. Good so for you. Five times a week at the moment. Yes. As an experiment, see how, I'm, how my body responds. Um, and I haven't been able to move like that since my dad passed away because my body said a complete no to anything fast-paced. So that kind of movement is totally new for me. And I've been doing it two and a half months now. And it's, it's all right. It's all right. She says, through gritted teeth. But yeah, it's a starting point. That's amazing. Oh, Deb, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Like it, this has just been such a joy. And I just know it's going to help so many people listening to this. You don't even need to be burnt out to reap the rewards of your wisdom <laughs> and, you know honestly I'm talking to you and I'm thinking oh I must text this friend I need to text my mum I need to because they need to listen to what you've yeah. got to say it's just you're an absolute gift to the world and I feel so grateful to be able to have this time with you thank you oh, so likewise. much I thank love that I just I, I can't imagine anything better than thinking after this that you're going to go away and maybe text 10 other women and say yeah. Why didn't you ask yourself this question tomorrow? Start tomorrow and say, how can I love myself even more deeply? Yeah. And then let me know what the results are. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's marvellous. Share it. People listening to this, maybe that's, that's, that's your little call to action. Yeah. But anyone listening to this, five people. Go yeah. and pass on the word. They can yeah. follow you on Instagram, find you, yeah. you know, more wisdom tips. But just let's start this lovely wave yeah, of absolutely. self-love and oh beautiful gorgeous Deb, thank you so much <laughs> it's been a joy thank oh, you so much thank you yeah oh no it's been so lovely honestly i think we could do a, a whole series couldn't we but um thanks <laughs> for inviting me on thank oh, you it's been amazing thank you so much you take oh, care okay thank you. bye thanks for listening to this everyday burnout conversation well wasn't it a corker it was after this incredible chat that I reached out again to Debbie and asked if she would be able to give me some coaching and lucky for me she did and the experience was I'm not exaggerating when I say this it's been life-changing now I'm going to suggest you take a moment today to consider that inspiring question Debbie encourages all to ask ourselves. How can I love myself more deeply today? Give it a try. Just let it land in your heart. And how about telling five cherished women in your life to do the same? Let's start a positive ripple effect of radical self-love. As always, if you can spare five minutes and you're able to leave this podcast a happy starry rating and review, it really does help these conversations reach that little bit further. 
Please note, this podcast is not intended as medical advice. So if you're struggling right now, then remember you matter. So go connect with your doctor or mental health professional and get the right guidance just for you. So take good care of yourself. Have a great week and bye for now.